0: Trigger warning, this podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode.
1: I said, what movie? You know, Netflix got a new Dahmer movie out they started sending me clips of myself. Oh, and wow. that's all they were sending me. People I didn't know, random people. It was really weird. I said, can you do that? I said, are you allowed to do that without contacting? First thing everybody, oh, we're getting ready to sue Netflix or Ryan Murphy. You can't do that, it's public her?
2: records. Hi, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell.
0: And I'm Collier Landry, and welcome back to the Survivor Squad Podcast.
2: Yay, this is our fourth episode, Collier.
0: I know, it's great, right?
2: Yes, this week, the Vice documentary came out, and now we're talking to someone that's on that Vice documentary.
0: I know, and we met her through, uh, what, Ani Ukar gave us uh, her info when we met them in New York last year. And yeah, she was a really big part of that show, and, and... um. You know her story is really, it's really harrowing. You know,
2: yeah. How have you been feeling since you saw the episode of Vice?
0: You know, I think it was. I think it was really well done. And as you know, for me, working with Vice was a bucket list moment for me to be able to tell the story on there. I'm so glad that we were like one of the last projects that they put out. So I'm very excited about that. I felt like, other than the fact that I look that I've lost like 25 pounds since then, <laughs> I, uh, I feel I feel great about it. I think it was really really well done and we had brought all our friends and i i was excited to see how you started and finished the episode too it was it was amazing
2: thank you don't shame yourself well thanks (laughs) no one should shame themselves for that you know but i thought it was interesting how there was these two dynamics in a sense there was these true crime consumers
0: they were internet sleuths and
2: they called themselves that so it was interesting to see that type of dynamic and i thought it was funny because she was wearing a grateful dead t-shirt and i was wearing a grateful dead t-shirt in one of the scenes and then oh we really had Aus- oh yes yes and then i had australian uh, australian shepherd she had australian shepherd
0: whoa mm-hmm.
2: So the parallels, you know, yes, she parallels. could be me, I could be her.
0: That was my creepy music, by the way. No, maybe, no. <laughs> maybe it sounds more like the, the more you know on NBC, the more you know. <laughs> do, 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 do.
2: That kind of reminded me of Vegas Vacation, That uh, just like the songs that are in that movie.
0: The fact that you know movies from my era, it trips me out. But you haven't what seen The Big you Lebowski yet. That you, that you quote Vegas. Like, I don't even remember Vegas Vacation. But that was like from my era.
2: Like, it sounds like that Holiday Woe song. Uh, da, 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 na, whoa.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> no, no. We can't turn this into a karaoke <laughs> session. So, okay. So, Tara, who do we have on the program today?
2: We have Rita Isabel. Her brother, Earl Lindsay, was murdered by Jeffrey Dahmer.
0: She shares a lot about what she went through because of the recent release of the Dahmer series on Netflix that was uh, directed by Ryan Murphy.
2: Yeah, and how long ago did this happen?
0: The Jeffrey Dahmer murders, I think were in the early 90s, 1992, 93. I black out in that era because I was dealing with my own murder <laughs> happening. So my own killer, you know, <laughs> evil yeah. murderous killer. So I I remember them and I remember how awful it was. And, and ironically, we found out in this episode her and I have a connection because she lived in right outside Mansfield in Maslin, I believe, uh, yes. which is just super weird when my father's trial was going on. So it was, a, it was, there was a lot of weird parallels with this episode for sure with the Australian shepherds from the vice documentary with, with my connection with Rita, who saw me as a child on the witness stand and all of that. And she shared some really great insight on what it's like to, to have your story. That you think you know, you're you're just putting in your past, regurgitated and shown to the masses, and you know how people reached out to her on social media with some kind of unkind things, right?
2: Yeah, no, it just baffles me that it's so long ago, and now she has to relive it all over again.
0: Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's it, it just goes to show that trauma like this doesn't um, doesn't just go away. But, anyways, yeah, let's get into the episode. What do you think?
2: Yes, let's get into it.
1: Fall with that camera, you
0: better not. He's doing his laces up, which is probably a good thing. They're the professionals. He's about
1: to trip off his shoestrings drop the camera. <laughs> Annie, this is your crew. You need to come get up. No, I'm just talking crap. This boy, oh I'm getting hyped up now. <laughs>
2: now tell us about your Trump. Well, like, not um. yet. But... Yes.
0: Um. All right, fantastic. Let's do this thing. 53 minute late start. No problem. Rita Isabel has reminded me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, come on now. Oh no, I'm just
0: joking. What do I have to do? (laughs) Nothing. Got nothing to do. You're here in beautiful, sunny Southern California, right?
1: It never rains in Southern California. But it did Did the other
2: day.
0: (laughs) You missed the rain. I missed (gasps) the rain,
1: thank God, but I'm going to the snow back to milwaukee that's why i wore my boots okay yeah i'm gonna be stepping off the plane right into what four or five six inches i don't want to look like i'm so happy while we talked about this but i'm really happy
0: rita thank you for joining us all the way from milwaukee wisconsin
1: yeah thank you
0: thank you for joining us um, glad to be here now how did you come in contact with tara You and I have this sort of parallel, Mm -hmm. sort of weird connection. It was like... And Tara had called me up and said, did you know this? I "I have no idea.
1: I met Tara through my girl. She's off camera. Honey, after meeting Tara, then she slid you in there. She says, you just, all of a a sudden came (laughs) into the picture. (laughs) And then it's like, I've been knowing you as long as I've been knowing Tara. And then when I saw you on, is it Instagram or TikTok? Yeah, either one, yeah. And then you have a very bubbly personality. Well, thank you. And I think you make people that, that feel down, you lift them up because you're all bright and cheery and singing and, and if you had any problems, nobody would never know until yeah. you tell your story. But can I say something? When I heard you talk about your story, I almost cried. I did. Yeah. I did. I almost cried. When I met Tara and she told me her story, but Annie had briefed me before, and she said, "Have you ever heard of Dirty John?" I said, "No," but I had. But I didn't know the title. Yeah. I saw. I actually, saw the movie, and I said, "What?" I saw that movie. She said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." And then Tara said, that was me.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: I killed my stepdad. <laughs> that is so me. <laughs> yeah. So, And then I started learning how people were trying to make her feel bad because yeah. she was happy about surviving that incident and getting to tell her story and didn't feel bad about it. But other people wanted her to feel remorse and bad about what she did. But if it's saving your life, of course you're happy about that. I'd be happy too. Well, yes.
2: I still feel bad. Yeah, I, I still feel bad. I, You know, to take someone's life is yeah, a hard that's... thing, especially when you have empathy. And so... I appreciate you saying that, but it it is something that you have to own because it is
1: me or him. I wouldn't right. have been alive. So you didn't have a choice, really. Well, you did. It was do or die. Yeah. So you did, and he died. Back to you. Yeah. Collier, you still have some things you haven't let go yet.
0: You think? Are you? Yes, are, 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 yes. Okay, hold on. So, so you're the guest. We're we not can't supposed to it. be.
1: I have that takeover spirit. <laughs> I'm giving this interview. Annie, <laughs> I see you.
0: No, I, lo- I I love it. No, this is great. But but what I want to do is sort of so. But we have a connection because you saw me as a child, correct? Yes. Because you lived where.
1: In Ohio, but Cleveland, you, Ohio.
0: No, I, but I thought you lived in Mansfield or something, right?
1: Mansfield. Oh, you did I, live in Mansfield. In yeah, Mansfield, and I worked at the nursing home. I think it was Mansfield nursing home. I think, Yeah. Yep, I worked at that right nursing home. Right off of Lexington home. Avenue. Mm-hmm, yeah, I worked there, and I lived That's on wild. Coventry. I lived on Coventry in Mansfield. When, you, when right, Tara right. told me right. that you were from Ohio, and she said, where in Ohio? I said, I was living there. I used to live there. She said, oh my. She said, wait till I tell Collier, yes. Yes, I used to live 1720 Coventry. That was my address. That's wild. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. such a small world. Yeah.
0: And and we all have this trauma connection too, obviously. So you were saying, you were giving me the the analysis. I love this.
1: Yep, and then I, I think I see, Uh, your pain through your smile sometimes, I think. You smile through your pain. Uh, It lets me know that when things are bothering you, how you really handle them, like you were setting up today, you was like a little hectic and wanted to get it done. I knew you were going to get it done. You you just wasn't satisfied until you got it done.
2: So, Rita, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're here today on our podcast?
1: Well, I'm here because I was invited, (laughs) number one. Two, I'm here to talk about what happened 31 years ago, which is like yesterday or today, I should say, because it's right in my face again. Yeah. And we're here to discuss that even though I don't want to because it's like combining 31 years ago to today, which doesn't make sense to me. That that's, that's just crazy. As a human being, you dealt with it back then. Even though I was younger, I didn't have the experience in my head. Today, I'm older with the experience and know how to deal with it better, but I still don't want to. Yeah. I thought it was over and done with. So for this to happen today, I got to go right back to that place. Yeah. And when I'm telling my story, I mean, I'm going there because there's some things I didn't get a chance to mention um, the first time. Well, when it actually happened, I didn't get a chance to to um, talk about because it was so him, which is. I want to call him a bigot, but I'm going to call his name, Jeffrey Dahmer. It was all on him, and today they're trying to make it all on him. The stories of the victims have never been told. No. All we know is that he killed a bunch of guys and that was it. You know, and
0: and here's the thing, I don't I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is the staggering thing. Now, I I'm going to say this to my defense When all of this came out, I was dealing with my own psychopath, which Mm -hmm. was my father. Mm -hmm. So I don't really remember a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer Mm -hmm. other than he was just like an evil human Mm -hmm. being. I was like, I actually was like, oh, somebody's more evil than Mm -hmm. my father, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Then there was a recent television show that came out directed by Ryan Murphy. Mm -hmm. And I was interested in, I think I watched because Tara and I were talking about it and I watched, I watched things like this because I don't like to watch true crime. I don't like to watch things about murders because mm-hmm. it hits so close mm-hmm. to home. Mm-hmm. But I was astonished at the fact that, and I don't know if it was all of his victims, but the majority of them were men of color, mm-hmm. or black men. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was I was floored. Yeah, it's just it's it's such a wild story to me because I like literally it was, it was 1992 when all this happened, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, actually 91. It happened in 91. 91 and went over into 92. The trial and stuff was 92. But it actually as a matter of fact, I'll tell you exactly when it when they broke the case.
0: When all of this happened with with Jeffrey Dahmer. He was active only in a very short period of time, is that correct?
1: Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Were
0: all the were all the the killings and everything were they only in a very short amount of time or were they spread out over years and years and years?
1: They were spread it out. You know, that's not where he started killing. He started okay. killing in the military.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So he had a long history of this.
1: You're getting ready to meet a victim, and his name is Preston Davis, which Amy knows. Last night, Uh he was in the military with Dahmer. Now, I just did the Dr. Phil show with Preston Davis and Billy Capshaw. Uh They both were in the military with Jeffrey Dahmer, and they're the ones, they were med students. Jeffrey Dahmer was a med student, and they taught him how to uh, inject that acid into the people's head. Wait, he, they taught oh. him the medical field and he turned on them. They taught him and then he attacked them. Oh wow. Yes, he uh they have their own story which they told and he whatever he was doing to the boys in Milwaukee, he was doing to them before he got to Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. Wow. He murdered women too. In the military, he
0: murdered women too. Murdered so, how many people too. did he murder?
1: Well, we'll never know that. Okay, we will never know that. Yeah, everybody just knows the story about Jeffrey Dahmer in Milwaukee. No, nobody it, knows the story of him. In and he, he had been doing this.
2: Wow, so that's so interesting to me because, well. After reading your article, I was like, I'm not going to watch the series. And then people started arguing with me about it, saying it was victim, supporting and everything. And so I had to actually watch some of it to be like, okay, I'm arguing with people. So I need to know what I'm arguing about. Mm -hmm. And... For me, it was not victim-focused whatsoever. And I'll say this, because it also depends on the camera angles. Right. And if you're having a show named after this perpetrator, I don't think that's victim-focused. And then I think that it's so important to tell the victim stories and have the family members involved like you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was a huge thing that you were upset about, and I was upset for you, too.
1: Yeah, Well, after uh, Ryan Murphy said, it wasn't to make the uh, victim's family feel bad, but it really was. I'm like, you can say one thing, but I don't know if Ryan just made the movie for... His awards and of course more money, which he knew he was going to make the money and get awards for doing this, because Dahmer still have a lot of fans. Yeah, his fans contact me.
0: This is where I get upset. Yeah, and this is where I think when we, when people talk about ethical true crime, what they don't think about doing shows like these, and whether it's intentional or not. Right, I'm not suggesting it is intentional but it ends up glorifying the perpetrator right. and not the victims.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and there's this obsession with this. And so that was what really hurts me mm-hmm. because I even experienced that a little bit with my father
2: mm-hmm.
0: initially in the beginning with not people like reaching out to me and saying anything, but telling me how wonderful my father was and how yes. he couldn't have done this type of thing and how I must have been mistaken. Mm. Am I sure what I heard? Did police not lead me into hearing what I heard? Are you out? like, I want to be like, are you out of your fucking mind? You, you know what I mean? And then you talk about something like, that's really, really personal to me. It is. And they just don't understand that by creating this content, it ends up glorifying these people. For the sake of of our discussion, why don't you tell us how you're connected to that story and about who your brother was?
1: Okay. When you told me, see, I didn't have any idea that your situation happened in what year? It
0: was nineteen ninety when I was dealing with everything and into nineteen ninety one and ninety-two. So
1: I was there. I was in Ohio. I was there. Yeah. Because when the story broke with Dahmer, which was in ninety-one. Yeah. My brother, I had just sent him back to Milwaukee. I was there. Yeah. I was there when that happened to you. But yeah, I'll tell you what happened, how I found out because I wasn't living in Milwaukee. Uh, the Red Cross came and knocked on my door and said, you need to pack your things. You For you and your children, you have an emergency in Milwaukee, then I started getting the phone calls because I did know my brother was missing. The family did notify me to tell me that he was missing. And by them being the way they are, you know what I'm, my response was to that. I told them, well, you better go find him because yeah. I just sent them home to you. Go find him. And I didn't hear anything else until he left home April 7th. And the next time we heard anything about Earl, his name was Errol Lindsey too. He was the eleventh eleventh victim. The next time I heard anything about him, it was July twenty third, nineteen ninety one, to be exact. Oh wow, July twenty third, nineteen ninety one. So after we got on the Greyhound bus and and rode all the way to Milwaukee, we got to the house where they were living. It was flooded with people, and these were my mother's sisters and brothers, and and they were from Ohio and um, Indiana. And I walk in there, and there was no place to sit, and there was people everywhere. And I saw my mother standing in the middle of the floor, With her brother, he was embracing her. My mother was crying. I walk in, nobody said anything. They were just all sitting there like it was a horror movie and everybody was zombie-faced. Yeah, It was never any love in the the family anyway. So they were all sitting there, zombie-faced. I walk in there, I'm the last one to get there out of the family. No one said anything to me. I just want you to know, uh, I'm getting ready to go into a zone. Yeah, take your time. Because what happened to my brother, they didn't know that they was pushing them out there to, to die because they always come was coming after me. I was supposed to have been dead. They, they've been trying to kill me for years. They literally tried to kill me. My siblings and my mother stood there and watched But anyway, it didn't happen to me. I escaped and it happened to him. I'm the first, he was the last. And he was so just like me, not afraid of anything. Outspoken. And they couldn't do nothing with him, the siblings. It was like, when I told you that I recognize evil, I have already dealt with that spirit all of my life. I've never heard the word love mentioned in my home. I've never seen anybody embrace one another in our home. I've never seen anybody participate in the holidays, togetherness, unity. None of that. None of that. Even though I didn't know this was going to happen, I knew something was the way uh, I was raised in that house. It was just ugly in that house and everybody on the outside thought that it was all good. I'm living good. I never really wanted for anything, but it was hell in that house. It was just pure hell in that house. i so sorry. I wasn't raised with my siblings or my mother. Yeah. I was raised with my grandmother and her children and the youngest girl in the house was me, and my grandmother's youngest child was 16 years older than me, so there was jealousy. Okay. There was a lot of jealousy, so I had to get through that part, and my grandmother never would say nothing. She would let everything go, nothing. I would tell her, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, she never said a word. I didn't understand that. But you always want to discipline me. But anyway, back to Earl. I didn't know that they hated him just as much as they hated me. They never said it, but I saw it. Yeah. And he knew it wasn't right. He would use. He used to would come to my house and tell me how they would bother him all the time, uh-huh. and our mother would never say anything, never to defend him. Mind you, this is her youngest child. Yeah. So anyway, the story was my uh. How he ran into Dahmer was after I sent him from Ohio back to Milwaukee, he was working, but they always lived in poor conditions. I'm not gonna lie, they did. There was no discipline, no structure, no respect, none of that in the home. They did what they wanted to do. So my my brother was uh, selling marijuana and my sister was doing crack cocaine but she didn't smoke it out the pipe. She rolled it in top papers, cigarette papers, yeah. and sprinkled the marijuana in it, what they call it, yeah, a, spliff, primo, spliffer,
0: a primo. Yeah. yeah.
1: what some of that stuff. So anyway. So I've heard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, he wouldn't give it to her. And just because he wouldn't give it to her, she put him out. She just put him out. Didn't care where he went, nothing. So it, he had some friends upstairs. As a matter of fact, and this is another thing, I just got a text Saturday from my so-called nephew, which wasn't him. Uh, it was one of my siblings pretending that they were him. Wow! And he wanted oh. to tell another version of the story. I'm like, no, I'm not going with that. So just because uh, he wouldn't give her a bag of weed, just get out. But he had stabbed a boy. That's why my mother brought him to Ohio to stay with me. Okay. He had stabbed a boy in Milwaukee, and they were looking for him. The police was looking for him. So my mother took him to Cleveland to hide him out with me, and I didn't even know none of that. Oh my gosh! I had no clue why she bought him. Okay. Wow. And she just left him there. No money, no nothing. Just for me to take care of him.
2: Yeah. He
1: was he was eighteen. He had just turned no, he was eighteen, getting ready to turn nineteen. Okay. So anyway, after she put him out, he had some friends that lived upstairs. He went and stayed with them, and that's when they gave him the key to go get cut at the key shop, which is next door to this porn bookstore.
0: That's where <laughs> Jeffrey
1: Dahmer was. Uh, and the bookstore was first before you got to the key shop. So he yeah. had to pass Jeffrey Dahmer. And, and Jeffrey is in that doorway. Okay. And approached him as he was passing by. Would you like to make extra money doing our jobs? And my brother said, sure, let me go and get this key made and we can discuss it when I come back. And he came out and he said, well, you have to go back to my apartment with me for more details. That's how he ran into Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. And then I can even, even go further. After he got inside the apartment, he offered him a beer. He didn't even get to tell anything about a job because he had put the sleeping pills in his beer oh. and opened it and gave it to him. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm,
0: that's what he did, That's right? what he did. That was his move. Yeah,
1: he did that with all of them. Well, most of them. And um, I know my brother was thirsty and probably hungry, too. And I knew he threw that beer, just slammed it yeah, out just like that. He tells the story while he was out. That's when he drilled that hole in his head and poured that acid in. And then my brother woke
2: up. Oh, my gosh. And
1: said he had a headache. So he had to take him out there. He strangled him. He gave him some more to knock him out, then he strangled him. Then he dismembered his body.
2: I'm so he sorry. he
1: spread out a whole tarp, stripped them naked, and start taking body parts off. And we just had the skull, hands and feet to bury. That's what happened to my brother. Oh, yeah, oh And he so kept sorry. the key. He kept the key that he got made. I'm pretty sure the bag of weed and his little change he had. And so he kept he kept a souvenirs from all the guys. He walked in the courtroom with one of the guy's shirts on what? that he murdered. The, the blue and white striped shirt. That was one of his victims' shirt.
0: I just saw a thing recently on social media, a video of him when he was in his cell. Because I do remember that, that he killed his cellmate. And he came in and he had the newspaper from it and he handed it to the bailiff because he was proud of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I never knew that, but I just...
1: <laughs> wow, this guy is statistic.
0: There's a special place in hell for people like that, for sure. But well, did you know
1: this? The guy who killed Jeffrey Dahmer in jail?
0: Mm-hmm. Do
1: you know that Ryan Murphy contacted him and talked to him? That's interesting.
0: That's interesting, for sure. Yeah,
1: and you know, he uh, also contacted... His name is, ooh, I want to say that name so bad. It's in my phone too. Um, this guy that was writing Christopher Scarver, that's the guy who murdered Darmer uh-huh. and was putting money on his books, um, he called him and uh, got information from this guy, but none of that was in the movie. And I talked to this guy personally, and he told me, yeah, I tried to get him to give me Ryan Murphy's number, he wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he Ryan Murphy contacted him. And then he also said that he contacted the family members, which that was a lie. Yeah. We all know that was, I don't even know why he said that.
0: Yeah,
1: I did that part, it's just certain things didn't make sense to me. And he didn't care if it made sense, that's what, it's not him, it's what he did. Yeah. You know, just for fame, really. Well,
2: yeah, and then he made, how much from that Netflix deal oh, did he make well, for yeah, the five-year deal?
0: It was probably like $500 yeah, or something like that. Yeah. but um, there, What I found interesting, because again, I didn't watch the show, But I had Googled you and I saw your victim impact statement at Dahmer's sentencing hearing. And I guess they recreated that. Yes. Can you talk to us about that? Because that was just so... Like watching you as real you. (laughs) It was you. Mm -hmm. I just... Mm -hmm. I found that just really compelling.
1: Yes, I had some people contact me. These are young people. I think she's 17. 17 following me. She said, you scared me so bad. That's what she said. She said, you were so scary. And um, yeah, they made me go last to do the impact statement. I didn't know what I was gonna say. Everybody else basically read something off of a paper or said two or three words and that was it. I can understand that, I get it. You're nervous and upset, emotional. You didn't know what you was gonna say. And I was getting angry because they were that way. I'm like, this guy did this and that's all you got to say to him. I couldn't understand that. Yeah. But anyway, okay, it's my turn. I go up there. I said what I said. When I got to a hollering, screaming at them, saying, This is what you call out of control. The reason why I said that is because that's what the case was about. Yeah. Being out of control. Yeah. So my point was. How can you be that out of control to do those things? You have to be in so much control to pull that off. Yeah. Don't tell me you out of control. I said, this is what you call out of control and I start being out of control. Yes. And I didn't hide it. He hid everything he did. Yeah. You knew what you were doing. You knew right from wrong. So I was demonstrating on, this is what you call out of control. You don't care who said, you out of control. Yeah. Yeah. That was my point, but actually when I was up there, I had never seen this man's face before. Not yeah. face to face. I get up there. I'm talking. And I'm just looking and I'm getting more angry because he's like this. Yeah. Well,
2: the psychopaths, no, no. they're so controlled with their emotions oh, and they know how to goodness. use it
1: to you. I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't care that day that wasn't no Jeffrey Dahmer that was true Satan I saw yeah. it yeah I saw it
0: and you and, and that's the thing is that I I often say this and and all three of us know this for sure one of the things is when I confronted my father in my film and this first time I confronted him about my mother's murder mm-hmm. like I had a relationship with my father for 26 seven years mm-hmm. And I just remember afterwards because I had often in my life tried to justify why he did what he did. And I was trying to find out why he murdered my mother. And then I realized that some men are born evil. When Tara saw John Meehan and even the, what he was doing to her family before he came after mm-hmm. her, that's the face of pure evil. Mm-hmm. And then you see you know, somebody who just I- is literally pure evil mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Dahmer just sitting there. Almost proud of what they've done. Yes,
2: well they are. That is just
0: sucks. that is the devil. That is just true. That is the devil, and and we try to go through these things in violent crime, at least for me and my experience, where we're trying to really understand these things. And the fact of the matter is, you can't understand. That's them.
1: what I was going to say. You, that's something you just don't understand. No. Hmm. But yeah, I saw him. I saw. I saw evil, and I went off. Pure uh, it's like take your best shot eat me bite me <clears throat> let everybody see you eat me yeah yeah i want i want the court to see you how come you in so much control now you're so out of control how come you won't you sitting right next to two people why didn't you eat your parents your brother they were right there
2: well like see psychopaths are they use everything to their advantage mm-hmm. and everything is calculated. Mm-hmm. So, the psychopath might get if they kill their parents, oh, I'm not going to get food, you know. So, that may be reasons behind that, really. But yeah, no, Could 100%. They're so calculated in everything. And if you're giving them something, you're a benefit to them until you're not. And then, these psychopaths, especially the serial perpetrators, um, they have like where they have to do their harm and they have to do it over and over again because it's like how they get their thrill from things. And it's like, how do we teach society that these humans are not someone that we should be looking after? And even there's the Wednesday series on Netflix, which I thought it was done greatly. But you're literally glorifying a psychopath and normalizing the psychopath behavior. And it's so Wrong in my opinion, and that's a work
0: of fiction, obviously based on whatever yeah. the monsters or whatever the Adams family or whatever. But <laughs> it's family. but it's weird. It is weird that we somehow we have this obsession. It's this true crime obsession, or people want to. And I, but I remember I said it to you because you told me you were watching it, and we were watching it together. And I said this. I was like, this, this is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why yeah. is this interesting to people? It's like, now it's like, oh, it's cute. She's Wednesday Adams and she's this. And I'm just like, that's not cool.
2: Like Like, she's putting piranhas in the pool. And this is like fiction, but mm -hmm, like it's, mm -hmm. you know, under the same umbrella that these stories are being told, nonfiction or fiction. And then people are like, oh, I want to dress up on like them for Halloween.
1: That was dangerous. That was because, you know, like people like me, Let's say I saw somebody with that co- costume on, it triggers me. So yeah. they could die with those costumes up. It reminded me of him. So I went after him, I thought he was dead, but I saw him. I saw him on this side of the street, then I looked over there and he was over there again. Am I losing my mind? Yeah. Oh, so now I go see a psychiatrist and no medication. Okay. Yeah, and they, I, really. I'm supposed to be schizo now.
0: Obviously, there's a. I mean, for me, I look at it as there's a lot of gray area. I mean, nobody's dressing up as my father, so I can't. I can't relate Mm -hmm. to that, right? I think one of the the things about raising awareness and talking about these things and discussing these things is that sort of let people know that like this is how this affects us. Yes, and that yeah, if you're gonna dress up like this person, you better not be glorifying him. Or or you can people can do whatever they want, but they have to know that there's also. You know, I I think a lot of times this is not to get into a political conversation, but there's a lot of of trying to regulate people's comments, people's people's uh, opinions online on social media that they shouldn't be able to do this. This is a safe place, and this and that and the other. Those people should be allowed to say that, and then we should be allowed to say exactly what we think of those Mm -hmm, people. mm -hmm. Like it's a two way street. So Mm -hmm. this is this country is about freedom of speech. But I can also have the freedom of speech to say, you're an asshole, mm-hmm. and here's why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, we try to police people's emotions or or be or desensitize people from things. Mm-hmm. It's like, great. Okay, Ryan Murphy, if you want to make a film about this, glorify a perpetrator, then people who have been affected by this are going to say, you're an asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're making blood money, and mm-hmm. that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to really be the asshole when they're a genuinely good person. So I think that naturally people will sort of go, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about these things. Maybe I shouldn't be glorifying these people. But I think in the case of Dahmer, in the case of John Meehan, in the case of my father, is when you delve into these people Mm -hmm. and you start, and it becomes this glorification, it's not only hurtful to the victims, but it's dangerous for society as a whole. And that's what she's yeah. saying about the yes. Wednesday thing, and that I think is a greater conversation that needs to be had. It's like, mm-hmm. how far are we going to go to glorify these these people? I had a great conversation with this woman recently. Her doc, her name is Dr. Daniel Slakoff, and we were talking about true crime and media. And she mentioned something about Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy. Ted I think Betty, it's who yeah. he did. Oh, there's a good looking actor, and I and and Evan Peters who played Dahmer. And as a filmmaker, on the flip side, I say, well, also for an actor, that's an amazing role for them to play because that's so far out of the person that they are, the character. It is something you want to do as an actor. I don't fault them for doing that. They're actors. But they're actors and Mm -hmm. that's what they're doing, right? And they're Mm -hmm. going to portray this. They're not saying I like this, but Mm -hmm. on the flip side, people who become obsessed with these Mm -hmm. serial killers, think about if that's your mom. If right. that was your brother, yeah. if that, that was point. your sister. Right.
1: Yeah. How would you feel? Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah. You're yeah. wrong for glorifying. You would be wrong then. Yeah. You would be wrong. But but
0: exactly. So they so they don't ever look at it. And I think that that's the that is just human nature. You have to literally as they say walk in someone else's mm-hmm. shoes. I was going to CrimeCon, which was my first time going to CrimeCon. Somebody got me a ticket. And I was dumbfounded to find out that there was a co- convention, like a Comic-Con for true crime. I didn't
1: know that.
0: And people, yeah. oh yeah, it's wild. <laughs> and people were sending me photos and social media posts of people talking about their nails. They're going to get the bloody nails to wear for Crime-Con. They've got the, because they're super fans.
2: I just got to make a note though. I did knives on my nails, but that was to empower myself after what I went through. Precisely. It's not normal for people people to have blood on their nails and be like, oh, there it is.
0: (laughs) I mean, you show me the picture of your cake. Yeah For your one-year survival anniversary. You know, that's an empowering thing. And and (laughs) some people might excoriate you for that, but that's your right. Yeah. They don't know what it's like to attack. A hundred percent. You know, Tara gets brutalized a lot on like TikTok and social media about, about, you know, what had happened as if that was something that she wanted to have happen, first of all. Right. Should she have just died? I said, this man, I recognize this behavior. It didn't stop at Tara. It would have been her whole family. Mm -hmm. It would have been her. It would have been her mom, Mm -hmm. her sister, her other sister. It Mm -hmm. would have been everybody connected because those people Mm -hmm. do not understand. And I firmly believe that if I had not led police, uh, investigating my father and Mm -hmm. my father then getting arrested and then that he would have done it again Mm -hmm. that it would have been his girlfriend who was pregnant do you think that he might have done it before he seemed to be so good at it that's a really profound statement yeah guarantee i bet my life on it that if he had gotten away with murdering my mother he would have done it again Mm -hmm. because it's not you always want more right it's even like when you make money, you always want to make mm-hmm. more money. If you have this one, it's just sort of human nature. And when you're of that frame of mind where you're a psychopath, mm-hmm. nothing, your appetite is insatiable. And that's what people don't understand. It's like playing on the junior varsity team against Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you're going to get your at. you're not even going to realize what just happened to you. Like, they will turn you out. They will twist you inside and out because that's how good these people are. are very that good. is what psychopathy is. Mm-hmm. And, Can you imagine the human emotions that you need to squash inside of you to be able to perpetrate crimes like these? You know, for, for Dahmer, it was faceless victims. For my father, it was his wife of 25, 27 years. For John Meehan, it was just one woman after another after another. And just, well, I think
2: I could him. speak to John. my John. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, he went after so many women. And it's.
0: But financial it's after, yeah. violence. Yeah. It wasn't just physical.
2: Yeah, no. And then, well, like he broke this woman's um, teeth because he assaulted her. And then she was able to turn it around on him or he was able to turn it around on her and he ended up suing her and he had to get veneers and she paid for the whole veneers. So like these guys, you know, they're going to turn it around. And in my case, that's what John did. And so if I didn't kill John, I would still be in terror because he could have turned around that situation on me, even though I had over 25 witnesses, you know, but I want to get more into your story and, Learn about how you felt handling everything coming at you when the series came
1: out and all these comments coming at you. I felt like I shouldn't be the only one dealing with this. Yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't be the only one, especially I wasn't there when it happened. You got my siblings and mother that was actually there. No one even know he has a mother, if you ask me. S- other siblings either. So... I know Earl, and he will want me to do this for him. Plus, he has two daughters, which he didn't get to meet. Okay. So, yeah, I want this closed. Yeah. I want it dealt with and finished. I want to have a memorial for him. Well, my children do anyway. They were like his little sisters. They We didn't get to go to the funeral. We did not get to go to the funeral. Another family incident. They left us on purpose. Wow. Yeah. We come all the way from Ohio to be here with my mother and her children. And I do say her children because I don't consider them as my siblings. But anyway. And they leave us. They tell us what time to meet at their house so we can all go bury whatever we had to bury and we get there and they're already gone. So we didn't get to have a funeral. We didn't get to go. So I want that closed and out of the way. And now that as children, 31 years old, they get to put their father to rest, even though they didn't know him. And then they're getting bothered too by people coming to them. They don't even know they've father. Never saw a father, and here yeah. comes all the public harassing them.
2: Wow! And
1: and the one daughter said that it was overwhelming for her. I said you don't have to deal with it. If they try to contact you, just give them my number. And that's what's been going on. She did one uh, interview, I think it was with Insiders. Okay. And she didn't want to do any more. Mm mm. Then she says she can't handle it.
2: Does your brother have a place like where he's rested, like where he?
1: They took him back to Indiana, where he was born. I okay. was born there too. Yeah, in Michigan City, Indiana, right outside of Chicago, fifty-five miles out of Chicago. Okay. That's where his remains are laying. That's my phone. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. That's what I was told. I okay. wasn't there. So,
0: yeah, I didn't get to go to my mother's funeral either. But it's because I was a witness, but also my mother's family just sort of took that over and just. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I was his own. So,
1: sometimes the family can be just as bad as the person. Sometimes the
0: family. And I think a lot of times in these situations, you find out when these situations occur mm-hmm. just how fractured your family, mm-hmm. family dynamic is. I mean, that was yeah. how it was for me. How do you tell an 11 year old, 12 year old child that you don't want to, you you don't want to have anything to do with him because he looks like his father, oh my God. when he's the whole reason that his father was caught for murdering your sister mm-hmm. in the first place
1: mm-hmm.
0: and was brought to justice. Like, how do you go? How do you, how do you justify that? It's ridiculous. But you know, we can't pick this family that we.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I said, look, <laughs> this this is how I deal with that. I might come from your portal. But that doesn't mean I'm like you. I just happen to come from there. We're totally different. Yeah. Yeah. This one seed is not like you or your other seeds. Okay. It's always that one that's going to be the outcast. And uh, I used to get upset about it, but I'm so glad that they pushed me out the way. I'm very thankful. And I I don't want to have anything to do with them because they're negative, they're evil, they mean me no good, and you tried to come after my children. You'd be better off coming after me. Don't mess with my children. Are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they did some harmful things to me and my children. My one sister tried to sell my middle daughter for drugs. Yes. This is my baby sister.
2: Oh, my
1: gosh. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Well, and I felt the same way as I did uh, about Jeffrey Dahmer as them. Yeah, I do. I really do. Wow. Well, I'm
2: just so thankful that you've made your own way and that I you're do. a strong, independent woman. And I can just see so much strength in you. And I. You know, just last night, how we had a true crime meetup and stuff. I just see the resilience in you and, you know, you process things and you dealt with things. And I think that that's so important to know because there is a lot of people that we do talk to that are still in their trauma. And I just see how you've handled things. And you process things so calmly and it takes a lot for you to react.
1: Yeah. And that's why I react the way I do because, yeah, hey, I'm good. Just don't keep pushing it. Don't keep pumping that. Don't do that. I'm letting you get by. I'm letting you do all this to me. Okay. You got the right button. I'm going to jail now. <laughs> I'm, going to jail. I'm serious. I'm serious. Uh, and we'll I'll call you the are. police and sit there and wait. Yeah. You tell uh-huh. them what happened. You still going to jail? That's why I always make sure I have bail money and my affairs in order. I never know what's going to happen, and every time something happens, I'm always at home minding my own business. So now I'm still learning. I'm still learning at my age. How to process stuff, how to keep my behind out of trouble, especially out of jail. I don't like jail. No. I don't like jail. I, and I especially don't like being in jail with young people. No. Cause they're crazy in jail. They stole my <laughs> canteen. They stole my canteen. We had, we had shakedown. I got all that canteen. So tell me about when you found
2: out about the Jeffrey Dahmer series. How was that? What was your reaction? Take me through that experience.
1: Like I said, everything happened when I'm when I'm at home, minding my own business, sitting there minding my own business, watching a movie or something, doing something. Bing, the phone. Bing, 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 Bing. That's what is going on? Clips of me in the courtroom. Clips of me of of what's her name? Barnes. That's who played me. Okay. I'm looking. I said, When did I do this? I said, that's not me, who is that? I was confused, because it was 31 years ago. That's my first time seeing it again. Sure. Same clothes, same hair, same verbatim, every word was, I said, and I'm gonna tell you exactly what I said, I said, hell no. Who is this? The movie. I said, what movie? You know, Netflix got a new Dahmer movie out. And they started sending me clips of myself. Oh, and wow. And that's all they were sending me. People I didn't know, random people. I wasn't saying anything. I'm like, I'm cool with it. It's so you didn't know. Me. So nobody, nobody from know. production contacted no. you and said, hey, no. Like, hey,
0: just a heads up. Mm mm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. called for you because obviously there was an actress that was playing you. Because mm-hmm. you know, I saw the, the mm-hmm. clip, the side by side. And as you we were saying, so nobody reached out to you and said, hey, we're making this film just no. a courtesy.
1: No.
0: Just a thing. And then is that no. like, how does it feel?
1: Weird. It was really weird. I said, can you do that? I said, are you allowed to do that without contacting? First thing, everybody. Oh, we're getting ready to sue Netflix. Or Ryan Murphy. You can't do that. It's public public record. records. I got depressed. I said, So you can just go and attack people and they're supposed to just go on through life as if it's normal?
0: See, that's the thing, is that they don't understand that all of this brings back all all this trauma up to the surface. So when they make these films, they don't even give you a heads up. They don't see that you get, that people nowadays, there's no, nobody knows how to navigate those parasocial relationships. So when they see something, and for me, like it was different when I was telling Tara, I put my story out there. I've always controlled my own narrative. Mm -hmm. I've always controlled my story. And that was, Something that I just wanted to do because I wanted to make sure that it was something that I was involved in. Right. But on the flip side, I never thought about the advantages when people reach out to me. I'm aware why they're reaching out to Mm -hmm. me. When I have Mm a hundred message requests on Mm -hmm. Instagram, I know Mm -hmm. what they're contacting Mm -hmm. me about because I put myself out there and I'm aware of that. Whereas I can't imagine not knowing that something was out le- like this and then reaching out and going, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And then you, it, it almost feels like a betrayal. And they don't understand that because they put you out there on blast, essentially, that now you have all these people contacting you. How did that feel? How did this? I have an opinion about this. Yes. I this. Terry, you should have done this. Yes. Oh, you should have done this. Rita, you should have done this. Or yes. This is your brother. And and how traumatizing it is. And they don't. They don't, it's it's almost like they don't care in a they lot of ways. They don't really,
1: they really don't. They really don't. And
0: that's the issue for me. Not being able, it's like you're, it's just like you get, it's like you're blindsided by it. And that's not fair.
1: This one guy sent me a picture of Dahmer pretending to be, he was a fan of Dahmer's. He sent his picture on my phone and he told me that I should get over it. Your <laughs> brother is dead, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. This other lady out of Canada said, you're not a star. In my country, if you had a got in the courtroom and said you were going to kill somebody, you would have went to jail right away. Yeah, they were coming at me. They were coming at me. A Canadian said that? They're supposed to be nice. <laughs> Mm-mm. I'm Mm-mm. so sorry. Your brother deserved that. And you should have been with them. What? Yeah, I got all kind of stuff. They were sending me birdies. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, they really don't know what they did because... Back then it was a whole different generation. Today these are young people. This is exciting to them. Cause yeah. you only hear and see about this stuff in the movies. You mean this yeah. really happened? Is that the lady that was in the courtroom? Hey lady. All in Milwaukee yeah. on the street. Rita. You wow. see Jeffrey Dahmer today? You know, just they mess with my kids too. Wow. They don't know how to process that stuff. No. Wow! So you leave us hanging? Really don't know what to do. You don't care. You don't even suggest anything for us to do. You don't apologize for doing it. It's like so what? We did it. It's in your face. And what you gonna do about it? Wow! That's That's... how it is. And then I was teasing um Lenore last night because you know we did that we did that podcast and we laughed so hard last night because. That was my first time meeting her, too. Yeah, And I said, you know, because I was angry when I was talking, <laughs> talking to her. I said, you know, I was putting my stuff, my affairs in order. I said I was on my way. I was coming, going to Universal Studios to blast it. Lenore said she didn't find that funny at all. She said she took her hair on camera. She said, I'm glad you didn't do that, Rita. She knew I was gonna do it. Yeah. She was nervous. Yeah, And I really was. Can't get no answers, can't do nothing about it. I bet this work, I'll get some attention in. I know I'm going to jail, but you're the next person who wanna make a movie, I think twice before you do it. Honestly, you got crazy Jeffrey Diamond, what makes you think some of them victim family exa- members exactly crazy. Exactly, ain't crazy, crazy. exactly. Have- mm-hmm.
0: That's a great point. Yeah it's a great point mm-hmm.
2: well when i saw you speaking out i was like oh my gosh i need to have your back and that i tried finding you to contact you first before i even like started speaking out Nobody but I could like, find me like, no ever. one could find you didn't be yeah. found.
1: and insider said you know you're a hard person to find we had to call your daughter and my daughter wouldn't give her yeah <laughs>
0: yeah I'm supposed to be a hard person to find <laughs> my
1: daughter said mom I'm calling you this lady named Kelsey from insiders wants your number shall I give it to her I said give it to her give it to her and that's how all this media yeah. stuff came about she was giving she was calling me I was supposed to be on Tamara Hall's show I told you oh yeah I turned it down why because she was checking my criminal background. You're not going to have me arrested on national TV. I not got a record. And they didn't do that for me. That's what I'm talking about. So what was that all about? Yeah. They <laughs> uh-uh. uh-uh. I'm telling whoever watched this podcast. Yes. I've been in jail. I am a criminal. See. Nobody knew that. That's how. Lenore knew I was coming after Netflix. (laughs) I was coming after, I'm telling you, I know you guys have a hand in Netflix. You guys don't need to lose your jobs. Oh, we don't have a hand in Netflix. Netflix. No, No, my show's just on Netflix, but that was sold without me. I I don't want people to lose their jobs because of me.
0: This is a safe place.
1: I have friends that work for Netflix, but they're cool with me. you can look at
0: this camera too.
1: Okay. but yeah i was so serious i'm like i got to handle this all by myself i'm gonna do what i know how to do and i was coming just like i was telling you over there tara remember i said i know how to walk in the woods where you can't hear me coming you won't hear no twigs breaking or nothing yeah. i've lived off the grid but i think that
0: that's a survivor's mentality too is they don't think about that is yeah you don't when know your mm-hmm. you know <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like and i and i know sort of where you come from too mm-hmm. because i've seen that world and i lived in that world and and you you know what do you would call it, the wrong side of the tracks or whatever but we know whatever. low people in low places yes we know how to get things done and they'll
1: take you there and you don't even want to go there it's no, not a place you like you no, don't want to go a nice there. place and it takes you a minute to come back It does. It takes me a minute to come back. I'm so out of my body. Yeah, I can't even tell you what
0: happened. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: Mama, did you read it? Oh, I did. Yeah. Just give me some water. That's all I want when it's over. (laughs) Just give me some water. Right. And I'm just shaking. And when I do that, I know something is going to happen. I know something is going to happen. And I'm gonna tell you a story when we're off of camera.
2: Okay. So I want to ask you, what is one thing that you want people to ask you about this story? What is one thing that you want people to ask you about yourself?
1: Okay, about the story is, ask me about who my brother really was. What type of person was he, even though he only lived not even a full 19 years. He only was, what, 34 days into being 19. So he didn't have much of a life. But anyway, since we are all talking about this story and not Dahmer, we will put the focus on my brother. That's why I'm writing I wanna write this book and get it out the way so fast. I promise the public that um it will be ready by the end of January. And we all know that's not gonna happen. But it'll go into so much depth. Yeah. The book will.
2: Okay. Well, I'm yeah. excited for this. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for his story to be told with your voice because mm-hmm. no one else can really do it except for you. And so I thank you for that.
1: Well he I know he's counting on me. He was, now he knows what he knew. They didn't care about me. They didn't care about me. And I yeah. thought they did. But you know I'm going to bat for him. I'm 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 his voice right now. But let
0: me ask you something. You know, on the flip side, because, and again, this is what I went to when I found out that a lot of his victims, the majority of them were were men of color, Mm -hmm.
1: black men. Mm -hmm.
0: You hear a lot about crime that is inflicted and not wanting to look as hard at at crime that is perpetrated against people of color in Mm -hmm. this country or around the world, really. I do feel like the fact that Jeffrey Dahmer was at least brought to justice, and I mean, the ultimate justice was him, in my opinion, getting. You know, not to say, but getting, mm-hmm. the, the, care deli- of. getting taken care of in prison. That was very fitting. Uh, oxygen is precious in this world. We don't need people yes. sucking it up. Mm-hmm. But I think, do you feel, because there has to be other stories of other people that we don't know about that have been victimized about this, where police turn their back on something because yes. it happened to a community of color. So is there a small part of you that is at least grateful for the fact that that he was brought to justice for his crimes?
1: Yeah, but look how long it took and it didn't even have to take that long. They could have nipped that in the bud and saved a whole bunch of lives. See what I'm saying? We didn't even have to go this route. Yeah, Yeah. But you were going to get caught eventually anyway, but you just took so many lives. And, and you didn't run from it. You really didn't try to hide it either. That's why you picked the neighborhood you did. Nobody was paying you any attention. I'm full of drugs. You was feeding your neighbors. Yeah. Organs. So what person And their right mind would eat? <laughs> your neighbor's food. And he well, I think he was the only white man in there, in that whole building. But he would loan people money. So he was winning them over. Oh, they were all druggies in that building. He was winning them over. They was vouching, bouching for Dahmer. My community was. And he was killing my community at the same time. Wow. He 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 got away for a long time. He got by for a very long time. Yep. And he knew what he was doing, went to work every day. Working at Ambrosia chocolate, taking some of the parts, throwing them in there. People buying it. Wait,
2: he worked at Ambrosia chocolate.
1: Oh, that's my mom's maiden name. Ambrosia. Yeah. Yeah. He worked at Ambrosia chocolate. He worked at the blood plasma. They said he was drinking their blood, but I don't know how true that was. Oh yeah. I don't believe everything that they say. I don't believe and I think that's part of the believe, lore,
0: right? The scariest, the boogeyman. Yeah, I don't it's believe the... everything. So. Mm.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking to us.
2: Yeah, thank yeah. you.
0: What Tara and I always say is we're all part of a squad that yes. no one wants to be a part of. That's what I said. We're all a part of the, the survivor squad.
1: I want to be on the other side. You know, yes. let me be on the other side. And let me see how they deal with it. And I bet you they're not as strong as we are.
0: percent. I bet
1: you they can't oh, handle yeah, what right. we, they can't. They cannot. They will lose their mind they will. Or, yeah. or try to commit suicide or just be weak. I have to think about weak people. It's, I can't deal with weak people. No. I can't do it you don't have time to be weak. This is not a weak moment. No. (laughs) No.
0: She would die. Yes,
1: (laughs) you don't have time for that. And then you wanna cry, cry after you did something you didn't have any business doing. Yeah. And I wanna say to my father, dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I just told Tara, I talked to one of the victims where when the skull was in the box, when the father came to the grandmother's house and he wanted that box and that skull was in it. I just talked to that family last week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of the first of Milwaukee's. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I met all of them. I met all of them. I met every last one of them, except for the Synthesophon guy. I didn't get a chance to meet them. Even Tracy Edwards, the one that got away, the one that got away, lost his mind, been in jail and actually killed somebody. I met him too. You know, he had a twin brother. Yeah, I Mom. met all of them. I met mm. the, all the families. You know, it was so bad after the court sessions every day. We had victim witness program for the family members. Do you know it was so bad? They were fighting each other.
2: Yeah, you told me about the other day. They were fighting
1: each other. I mean, that demon was rolling. Because some of them were demons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with. Yes. It's a lot. A lot of people just can't handle it.
1: It was just ugly. And you didn't have time to put everything in its right place. You was dealing with what happened. You was dealing with the court. You was dealing with all the family members. It was just too much. It was just too much. And it was from eight o'clock in the morning until four o'clock every day. And then the judge tell you, you better not go to sleep or you get escorted out of the courtroom. But his parents had reserved seats. What? Yes.
2: Oh. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow. His brother was there too. Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: i feel like we could go on and on talking about this for hours i feel like we might need to make it a double
0: (laughs) (laughs) we need to pick it up online yes or when you're here next
2: i want to thank you for coming on today and where can we find you on social media everything if we want to do connect with you where can we find your tiktok and stuff
1: what is it rita underscore Isabel underscore something like that. I'll <laughs> I'll post it in we'll put the it in promo the show notes. notes for sure. Okay. Are Don't we all?
0: <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how trauma like this is just it's like the the sad gift that keeps on giving and how these <laughs> stories just keep coming up again and again and and for for these survivors.
2: Yeah. No, I like I like your analogy. It's the gift that keeps on giving, but it's really not a gift. It's, it's just something definitely not. That
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a cur- getting it's a thrown recurring, at you. It's a recurring nightmare, and I could see if people had reached out to her and said, "You know, I was so it was so empowering to see you with your victim impact statement. Just try to take him on, and just because you had had enough of it, you were so angry that he took your brother's life. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: That would be one thing, but the fact that people are are lashing out and, like I said, excoriating her for how?
2: Wait, we what's excoriating?
0: Uh, excoriating is like to be or like harsh, harsh with your criticism and blame and castigate someone. It's 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 bad, you know. And she's so being excoriated. Do yeah, yeah, don't excoriate anyone unless they deserve <laughs> it. If it's a, yeah. but if in her case, it's not deserved. She has nothing to do with Jeffrey Dahmer. She she knew her brother. And her brother was, was killed innocently. And that's no reason for anyone to reach out to her to say racist comments, to make hateful comments towards her. She didn't ask for any of this. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we're telling these survivors stories is that they're able to tell their story in their own words and let people know how it really impacts them. Because I think everybody thinks that when you're on a television show or you make something or, or somebody tells your story or you're on Dateline that you've making a whole bunch of money out of it. And that's just not true. And I know that that's the American way for some people, you know, but it's not that way for victims of true crime.
2: No, it really isn't. And she has to watch something on TV, see her story pop up, go relive the trauma all over again. And it's a never-ending cycle.
0: And we were so honored to have her on the program because as you told me, Tara, this is what, the last time that she's telling her story of her brother?
2: Yes, this this is the last time she says she doesn't want to talk about her brother anymore. She's moving past it. I could not be more supportive of her in this journey.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, moving on is the right thing. And, you know, and she's got better things to look forward to. I mean, we were so honored to have Rita Isbell on the program, uh, big shout out to vice and Ani Ukar and, and Roberto Ferdman for hooking us up with her. It was very, very cool.
2: Yeah, and check out the documentary if you haven't already because it is an interesting concept to think about the consumption of true crime.
0: So the documentary from Vice is called True Crime Scene on Vice News. You can find it on Hulu, Vice TV, wherever you get your Vice content from, right?
2: So check it out there. See you soon, Survivors. I'm Tara Newell.
0: And I'm Collier Landry.
2: And this is The Survivor Squad.
0: We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Copyright Collier Landry.